want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today, joining us is Daniela Herrera, who's the Director of Recruitment Operations and DE&I at RGA. Let's jump in and get to know Danny. Danny, welcome. How are you? Thank you so much for having me today. It's, it's such a pleasure to be here with you both. We're thrilled to have you and get to learn a lot more about you. Tell us a little bit about Danny, where Danny grew up and, and where she was born and raised. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So I was born and raised in Buenos Aires, Argentina. If you're not familiar, it's actually the very last country all the way down south in South America. So my first language is Spanish. I grew up, I would say, in a family, a very low income family, if you may, just for context, no one in my immediate family finished high school even. So growing up, my dad would really insist on me paying attention in in school and trying Mm -hmm. to get better opportunities than the ones that he had and the ones that I had growing up. And that for me wasn't necessarily as hard. It was still um, a little bit of a nerd kid and, and always reading and watching documentaries. But I mean, it really worked out during high school, but I am also a college dropped out twice. So yeah, I, I almost like almost did it. Yeah. Tried again. <laughs> right. Yeah. I tried again. It didn't work. But, yeah. That's interesting, Danny. What kind of lessons did you learn trying that twice? Surely you must've learned some things along the way there. Absolutely. I mean, I think for me and and coming from the background that I come from, I loved going to school. I loved going to college. But at some point, I really had to decide whether I really wanted to keep studying or I focused on working full time and helping my family economically and being able to support myself economically. Because again, I come from a family that didn't even know that a career was possible. I grew up not necessarily knowing what a career was. I just thought that, okay, you finish high school, you can go to college, but then the aftermath is you just get a job and you get paid and you pay for the essentials that you need. Mm -hmm. So I did learn a lot specifically about English language because that's what I studied twice. But I think that for me, it really helped me balance out the things that I truly care about and the things that I really wanted to do and the things that I didn't want to do at the end. That's amazing because from the beginnings that you just described and working into your career path, you're you're working at a tremendous company now and and have been for a, a little bit of time now. So can you tell us a little bit about what's going on these days at RGA and particularly like what you're working on? Sure. So I am now the Director of Recruitment Operations and and Diversity and Inclusion Initiatives, if you may. So my role is to do my absolute best to ensure that our hiring practices and interviewing processes and all of that is as unbiased as it potentially is can be. And that means having very tough and difficult conversations with hiring managers, with interviewers, educating pretty much everyone all the time, even the recruitment team as well. And I think that that's particularly important because at some point, of course, 
every single agency and RGA as well, we are really focused and and trying to bring between a million air quotes, diverse talent. But at the end of the day, if we don't take care of the inclusion, the equity and the belonging part first, whatever you do in the diversity aspect, it may fail. So that's what I do at RGA. That's tremendous and really important for a lot of companies. You're seeing companies try to model a lot of what you've just described, you do day-to-day and those difficult discussions. But prior to that, it's fascinating. You know, I want to learn more about how you got started on your career journey, because I think the discontinuation of going to college and, and university or higher learning is a path for a lot of people. So can you tell us about how you got started on your career journey? Yeah. Funnily enough, and this is a story that everybody knows. So welcome to my life, I guess. But I tend to say that I kind of owe my career to the Backstreet Boys. And nice. So I hear this. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, we, we have to. We have to tell us this. <laughs> so growing up again, I was very nerd and, and very curious. And at some point, like growing up and, and getting to my teenage years, I was like obsessed with the Backstreet Boys. But at the end of the day, I spoke Spanish. I didn't understand a single word that they were singing. And if you know anything about language or translation, this isn't the way that it works. But I picked up a Spanish-English dictionary and I started to manually translating the songs. It didn't really work. I didn't really understand what they were trying to say. But eventually what happened was that I gained a lot of vocabulary Mm. and I started being way better than my peers at English. And that gave me the privilege and the opportunity for someone at school to realize that I was like better, that I was improving on my own. So they gave me the opportunity to sit at international exams, English exams. And again, coming from a background as the one that I come from in a country that you speak Spanish, having a second language will automatically open a million doors for you. So I finished high school. I didn't know, again, what a career was. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was good at English. So I thought, okay, I'm going to be a teacher of English. I did that for about three years. I taught English at school. I realized that I love teaching. It's not what I want to do. So I started taking on random jobs for bilingual people. So I was a technical support agent for internet access for Mm -hmm. about two years. That's how I discovered my love for technology. And then randomly, as every other recruiter that I know, a staffing agency, an American staffing agency in Argentina were hiring, they were just hiring bilingual people. I knew nothing about recruiting. I didn't know what it was. I hadn't even heard the word before then. So I got hired eventually and I worked there for a couple of years. And then I changed jobs a few times. I worked at Hewlett Packard and IBM, still in Argentina. And then at some point, RGA was opening their doors in Buenos Aires. And I was hired to be their very first recruiter. So yes, I had to hire everyone that they needed, but also they needed someone that could build processes and the team and and the policies. And and that's how I joined RGA. I was there for about four years. And then I got offered this amazing opportunity to transfer to New York. And that's where I am right now to build not only on the things that I've been doing so far, but also to focus on my passion and my purpose. That's always been diversity and inclusion and the intersection with recruiting as well. 
And Danny, explain a little bit further, why are you so passionate about diversity and inclusion? That is a great question. And I've been thinking about it for a while. And I would say that it definitely stems from my personal experience, right? If you think about it, I come from what we may call a non-traditional background. I'm an immigrant. I was born and raised in a different country. English is my second language at the end of the day. I don't have any previous advertising experience. I don't have a college degree. So I think that once I realized that that could also be an opportunity that so many other people could potentially have, or if we only gave them the access to those opportunities, I think that that's where my passion and my purpose stem from. It sounds like that's connected to what you were talking about earlier from your childhood days, right? In terms of that when you were growing up, you didn't understand or know that there was sort of a, you know, a much bigger world out there with a lot of different opportunities. And and it seems like that is connected as well to your passion. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like for me, again, my world was very small and I'm not shy to talk about it. I mean, my world was very, very small. I grew up in a very small town. I watched movies about New York. I dreamt about like traveling the world, but even growing up, I didn't even have the opportunity to hop on a plane until I was over 25 years old. So Mm. it's definitely about that. It's definitely giving others the same opportunities that I had or as similar opportunities as the ones that I had, because those opportunities are there. We just need to explore them. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to ask you another question that's sort of connected to that in that over the last couple of years, especially here in the U.S., I think the trend around the conversation of diversity and inclusion has definitely accelerated with political climate and racial tension in the country and everything that unfortunately has been going on. And so as companies continue to have these conversations and figure out their path forward, what advice would you give to any recruiter or diversity inclusion expert that may be listening at another organization to help move their company forward? Absolutely. And I was asked just yesterday what I think that the future in recruiting is. And my answer is I think that both the present and the future about recruiting are about inclusion, belonging, and culture first, and recruiting second. And what I mean by that is you do need to make an effort to ensure that your processes are unbiased as possible, that your hiring managers and interviewers are trained in order to, again, identify their own biases, but as well to identify transferable skills in the people that they're interviewing, to think a little bit outside the box, if you may, and and just not focus on how many awards they won or what school they went to or the connections that they already have, and focus, again, on what happened next? Like what happens after we hired someone? Because at the end of the day, the talent is out there. We've seen it growing, as you said, during the last couple of years, and it's grown exponentially. And there are so many websites, job posting sites, networking sites, networking places that we can go to meet the talent and hopefully hire that talent. But at the end of the day, if you don't take care of them, 
once they are already talking to you and with you, and once you hire them, all of your recruiting efforts will be in vain. So I, I truly believe that it is about the inclusion piece first and recruiting and talent attraction second. Has the work from home slash virtual world over the last two years made it easier in the efforts around DEI? I think so. I mean, of course, it has its pros and cons. I I definitely believe that working from home gave us the opportunity to explore and connect with talent that so many agencies and companies were not even open to talk to in the past. Single parents people that have visible or invisible disability that were completely excluded of any interviewing process in the past. Introverts, people that do want to work from home and they actually do a better job at home. So I think that that's definitely expanded the talent pool, if you may. Of course, If you do that, again, you do need to make sure that you have the systems in place to support every single person that you are bringing on board. And on top of that, that your work environment is is flexible enough. Because if there is something that we've learned during 2020 and, and working from home is, as it's happening with me, my cat is screaming on the other room. We may have kids that jump on the screen. And I believe that we've grown quite a lot, but still there are some agencies and companies that are still struggling with that like life work balance. So yeah, I mean, it it definitely has expanded the talent pool, but again, processes are probably the most important part of it. Tremendous insights. And I want to ask you about some interesting subjects. You've talked about some reminders for the sort of great resignation that's happening. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and your thoughts on this great resignation or a lot of people sort of quitting just because they can? Sure. I think it has a lot to do with, I call it like a personal reckoning, right? Like a lot has happened during the last two years. Of course, we went through a pandemic, the horrific murder of George Floyd. And on top of that, all of the news and everything that was happening, especially in this country. And I believe that at least for the people that had the privilege and the opportunity to work from home and and evaluate their options, they could start thinking about, as I was saying before, that actually happened to me so, so many years ago to balance out what is it exactly that I want to do? What is serving me? What is no longer serving me? Am I in this company just because it's great for my resume or is this, or is it actually serving my purpose and what mm-hmm. I want to do and what I do on a daily basis? And I think that that was a conversation that we were not ready to have just a few years ago. And then everything happened all of a sudden and all of the companies were trying to figure out what was happening and talent as well. So If that's where you are personally, if you have the privilege of changing jobs, like which is not unfortunately the possibility for everybody out there, I strongly recommend it. I mean, to stop for a minute, think exactly what is it that you want to do or try or explore. And again, if you have the opportunity, just do it. That's great. Thank you. I want to ask you another question just about something folks take for granted 
every day here, a privilege, maybe not a privilege, but there's a lot of folks here who are on work visas. Certainly the last year and a half, the last two years, and even up to today has turned a lot of that on its head, right? There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of information that's just not available or there's no answers, right? Could you talk to us, Danny, a little bit about your own personal journey as to what's happening with you? Yeah, it is a lot. I'm not going to lie. So working visas, it is a topic that we don't necessarily talk about, even within the diversity and inclusion community, which for me is surprising because it is something that so many people are are living on on a daily basis. So something that we don't necessarily think about is that even if you have a working visa, you are here legally, you're working for a company, there's so many things that could go wrong at any moment. There are visas that are 100% owned by your employer Say that you lose your job, that means that you have to leave the country and go back to your country of origin. Say that you may want to explore a different opportunity going back to the great resignation. A lot of people in working visas do not have the privilege of doing that. I mean, they're tied to that particular company that hired them. There's so many people that, I don't know, are invited to speak at a conference and that particular speaking engagement is a paid opportunity. That's something that they cannot do. And personally, what's been happening with me, and again, as I said before, I've had this amazing and incredible opportunity to transfer to New York, but something that's been happening for me personally and my partner is COVID actually backlogged the system in a way that we've never seen before. So there are working visas and and employment application cards that are delayed almost a year. So that means that in this country, we have people that are legally able to live here or to be here for a certain amount of time. But due to this backlog, they're not able to work. So they either lost their jobs, they're put on unpaid leaves. Some of them are actually a few people that I know that went through this as well. They just decided, okay, this is not worth it because you're always living with a level of anxiety and stress and not knowing what's going to happen next. In some cases, you're just waiting for that tiny little paperwork to come in the mail. And if it doesn't happen, you have to pack up your life and go back to your country of origin in 30, 60, 90 days. So Again, it is something that we don't necessarily think about. And and I think that there is also a reason behind it. First of all, there's a stigma around people working in visas. And and of course, the discussion about legal and illegal immigration here in the United States, which I think it it has a lot to do with it. But on the other hand, we as, as people here with working visas, we don't really talk about it. We don't want to be targeted. We want to assimilate as much as we possibly can. We don't want to risk our jobs because again, we could be let go and that's that's it for us. So it's a lot. Thank you, Danny, for sharing your personal experiences. Danny, where do you draw inspiration from? Honestly, I don't know. But I mean, on my personal life, I would say, again, going back to what I do as a nerd kid, mm-hmm. I read a lot of fantasy and science fiction books. And science fiction, they draw their inspiration from somewhere. And I think that's 
like reading a little bit more, especially around anything related to pandemics and like not great topics. I think that also brings inspiration and in, into what I do on my daily basis. But on top of that, of course, I do follow a lot of content creators. I read a lot. So that's probably what I like. I mix it up and I draw inspiration from. Awesome. What would Danny today tell Danny who was just starting out her career? What advice would you give? I would probably say that you are worth more than you believe you are. And I think that growing up, I didn't necessarily believe in, in a lot of the skills that I had, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. I was really tied to my background and where I grew up and, and the opportunities that I had access to. And even when opportunities presented themselves, I always self-doubted myself. I still struggle a lot with imposter syndrome. So it is something that I've been dealing with for my entire career. So I think that that's probably the one thing that I would say to my younger self. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, fun question that I love asking every guest that we have on the podcast and you've listened to our episodes. So I think you know what's coming here. Give us the top three (laughs) apps that you use on your phone but you can't name email, calendar, or text messaging. Those are just way too boring. (laughs) All right. So Audible is the first one for me. I listen to audiobooks all the time. All the time. Goodreads is the second one. Again, as I read a lot, I like keeping track of everything that I read and what I want to read next. And the third one, which is something that I discovered during the pandemic, is TikTok. I can't stop. I mean, I'm not creating content, <laughs> but I can't stop. I, I can't. Creator or consumer? Yeah. I'm a consumer and I can't stop. <laughs> Who are you following on TikTok? Give us a memorable video that you recently watched. I mean, I don't know if I can think of any creators, but I go in a rabbit hole of like funny cat videos and dog videos and people dancing. And also what I truly love about the TikTok community is, I mean, I know that they're having a a little bit of an issue now, but how inclusive it is. So you can learn a lot about people that are completely different than you are. So non-binary peeps and and people with disabilities. and, And I love seeing kids using language sign in their videos. So that's something that I really love watching. Excellent. Well, Danny, it's been a lot of fun hanging out with you. And thanks for spending some time with us and sharing a lot of your personal experiences and and some tremendous insights. A lot of our listeners like to stay in touch and follow you. What are some great ways that our listeners can follow you and continue the conversation? Yeah. And likewise, I mean, this has been a pleasure. You all can find me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn address is Daniela G. Herrera. Let's say it in English. And then (laughs) on there, you'll find my, my other links as well. Excellent. Well, thanks again, Danny Herrera. Yeah. We had a a lot of fun. (laughs) We had the rolling R's. We had fun rolling some R's and we had fun hanging out with you. So thanks again for joining us. And thanks everyone for listening to another episode. You can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video. Just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Have a good one. Thanks. Thanks.